Welcome to the Bruins Vendors Podcast, Episode 9, sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week. You can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Just go to lopsbrewing.com to place your order. Also, follow them at Lops Brewing on social media for new beers and events. I am Maddie, and my host is lost without hockey, Smitty. Yes, I am. I, I really, I really don't know what to do with myself. I'm, <laughs> I'm just right. sitting in the chair in my living room, twiddling my thumbs. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not really a huge pro basketball fan, so I've been uh, mm-hmm. watching a little bit of college basketball, you know, a little NFL, I guess. Although uh, everybody's going through the COVID, so uh, we'll right. see what ends up happening. Little Hallmark Channel, you know, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever is on the on the tube, so to speak. Hey, give us a follow on social media. We're at Bruins Benders. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're also on YouTube. If you search Bruin, Bruins Benders podcast, we have an interview with Mike Milbury up there. We'll have other interviews going forward up on the YouTube page as well. And we go into a week in review that started out like a four game week. And it ended up being a one-game week due to COVID. But the Islanders at New York, a 3-1 to one loss. Now let's face it, the odds were stacked against the Bruins. They had seven players at the time in COVID protocol. Many of the top players on the team. The team was understandably listless. The shot total was deceiving. They get quite a few shots on. Mike Riley scores a late goal that never should go in in a million years in the NHL. And you'd think at the time... The team might be in a little bit of trouble. They had that uneven schedule. Then they had the Marchand uh, suspension. And then they were playing up and down anyway. And then, of course, now they have the COVID issue. And you think at the time, wow, this this isn't going well at all. No, no. COVID thing is is bad news uh, with, you know, the protocols and all that. They were, they were under the gun there uh, playing shorthanded. It wasn't a great start. They got behind early and were chasing the game. <laughs> Mike Riley, uh, God love him, in, in his own zone is an absolute train wreck. So he is yeah. he leaves the front of the net to go to a scrum behind the net, but he doesn't actually go all the way into the scrum. He just leaves the guy open in front of the net, takes uh, like two strides to below the goal line with a stick on his legs, and he's watching. And what happens? The puck goes right between his feet to Clutterbuck, who buries it, and now you're chasing the game. So that was horrible, and uh, he's got to get better, or they got to they got to figure out something else. Because mm. in his own zone, he's just miserable, and he's not giving them enough offensively. Like you said, that goal that he scored at the end to break the shutout for Bobrovsky, that should never go in in a million years. Like you said, no. that I mean, that was a horrible, horrible goal to allow. Yeah. The season's at a crossroads, though. Like, right now, it's it's do or die. Like, they're facing some adversity. They haven't played a lot of games. You know, they're not in playoff position. You know, their best players are out with COVID now. Who knows what's going to happen with the COVID going forward. You might be missing guys as the season goes along. Pasta's underperformed. Taylor Hall's underperformed. Their defense as a whole outside of McAvoy is underperformed. Kylo hasn't been great. Grizzlick hasn't been great. Riley hasn't been great. Clifton's been in and out of the lineup because he hasn't been great. 
So they have a lot of problems on the team. And, you know, they have the the brusque trade kind of looming over their heads. Something needs to get done there. They're kind of at a crossroads. What direction is the team going to go in? Are they going to let all this outside stuff and the COVID and how they're playing affect them and go in the tank? Or are they going to band together and and do something with the season. We'll, we'll see, but I'm not sure it's, it's going in the right direction at this point in time. You know, I think I saw that there's 56 games left in 108 days or something. It's like literally every other day that they'd have to play a game uh, to get the rest of the season in within the time frame. It's something like 56 and 108 days or something like that. Yeah. I saw somebody, um, I saw somebody tweet out actually. And they said, uh, the Bruins have 56 games left and they have to play them all in the next four days. Like that's what it's, that's what it feels like. It feels like all the games are going to happen at the same. It's just going to be one right after another. Uh, Somebody tweeted today reading the, uh, the garden schedule for February when they was talking about, uh, so our fans should know the NHL and the players association agreed that the players won't go to the Olympics. That was decided. No real big surprise there. But if they were going to use the Olympic break to make up some of these games, like the Garden's packed. Like that whole that whole time, there's very few open dates for them mm-hmm. to play. So if they're making games up, they might be at like neutral sites or on the road or it's going to be it's going to be kind of a shit show, I think. Yeah, it is. And like you said, Jeremy Jacobs, they're going to load up those open dates with events. I mean, he's getting concessions and everything there. They're filling that right up. So they're not moving those around. No. So I don't know what they do. If they play on the road, that's just another thing. They would be up against this again with another thing. And I'm just not sure they can handle all of this and make the playoffs. You know, it's going to be very difficult for them. Mm-hmm. And they really have to make the playoffs if you're Don Sweeney or if you're Bruce Cassidy even. You have to make the playoffs. If you don't, then you really run the risk of having some serious changes in the offseason. So this is kind of a mess. And some of it, their own doing, and some of it, not their own doing, and out of their hands. So it's a perfect storm of, of just uh, a mess right now. So I don't know what they'll be able to do, but right now they're not going to be playing until at least, I mean, right now they have it scheduled uh, on the 27th and the 29th. 29th is at Ottawa. I don't think they're going to Canada. And I've heard some rumblings here and there that people thought that the NHL would shut down until the January 1st date. There's nine games that day plus the winter classic. So I've heard that they may extend it another few days to January 1st. And if that's the case, the Bruins don't play, you know, won't play until after the first of the year. So I'm not sure what's going to happen there. They don't have, but they have many issues on the team as well. It's not just these. I think you're right. The first thing is the Jake DeBrus thing has to be handled. And, and they have to do something about it. I mean, it seems kind of silly. The guy says he doesn't want to be on the team. And you're talking about maybe extending it longer with this guy on the team who doesn't want to be there? It just doesn't seem logical to me. No, and they need to get a good return. They can't just trade him to trade him. So right. there's that, too. He kind of put them over a barrel. Now they're kind of stuck. They need a good return. So I don't know what you do there. Sweeney's not in a great position to ask for a lot from other teams because he's not really producing. And... They know that he wants out. So I'm not sure what you do there, but they need help. So if DeBrusque isn't going to give it to them, they need to get somebody in here that can. And maybe you have to package some other players and make a real hockey trade, which Sweeney is, hasn't been prone to do. He likes to make minor moves. But this roster, I think, needs some kind of a major shakeup to 
whether it's shock them into playing the right way, playing more consistently, you know, just adding talent to the roster. So we'll see what happens. But like I said before, I don't really like the way things are trending at the moment. Sweeney likes to win the trade, like outright. <laughs> so that that's part of his issue is that I know he probably wants to get more value than maybe people are willing to give and more value than maybe Jake is worth. And we're not quite sure what his value is right now <laughs> because he hasn't really done. It's not like he's had a bad half year. He's bad, had a bad couple of years. So it's, it's not like, what is his value? What is he? What is his value? And if he's a guy who scores eight or 10 goals, then what the hell is that going to give you in return? I mean, it's not like he's a 25 goal scorer right now. He's just not. So I don't, he's not Evander Kane where he's wicked talented and producing, but has either off ice baggage or wants out. That's different. He's not Patrick Laine. You know, he's not someone right. that you think like is really producing. It's a guy who's not producing and wants out. So that it does put him over a battle. You're right. We'll see what happens there. All right, it's time now for our seven chirps segment where we ask seven questions. We have a special guest today, Arda O'Kell from ESPN joins us. Arda, really good to have you with us. Yeah, happy to be here. Seven chirps, I love it. Yeah, seven, <laughs> chirps, seven chirps. We talk about typically about the Boston Bruins. We have some league, sort of league questions for you. And one recently, uh, John Tortorella and Ray Ferraro are talking about the Trevor Zegers goal with Milano and the alley-oop goal. Where do you fall on the old-school, new-school debate? Will the new wave of skilled players change the game anyway? Is it positive, negative? So first of all, I was the traffic cop on that debate. Yeah, that's right. That's excellent right. to see that all unfold in real time. So my role, like a lot of people were asking me, why didn't you give your opinion in that moment? Because it wasn't my role to give my opinion in that moment. Like I wanted the three excellent hockey minds that I was surrounded (laughs) by to have a conversation about it and interject only as necessary. And actually, Torts talked about this, like followed up about his comments on The Point this week, uh, which if people Mm -hmm. haven't, because you know how it goes, right? A a clip goes viral and it doesn't necessarily give every uh, bit of information or full context. And then people pile onto it, having only seen that clip. And then it just Mm -hmm. goes around the world like that, right? Right. So uh, for those that gave their opinion online, uh, I urge you to watch The Point this week uh, and see uh, Torts follow up on that and, and, and talk about that at length as well. Uh, and that's why I posted that full post game as well, like with, with Ray and, and, and Rick DiPietro, because I thought it was important for people to get a full context. Whether you watch it or not, obviously, is up to you. But to answer your question directly, uh, I was on that broadcast. So it was me and Kevin Weeks during intermissions uh, and we gave it a standing ovation like six times. Like my knees were hurting by the end of it because we <laughs> right. kept on getting me to stand up in the air. So like, I, I, I love it. Obviously I, the more creativity in the league, the better. Um, I, I think that Trevor Zegras is a massive net positive to the league. Even the things that he's doing that don't lead to goals, like the way that he plays the game, his touches are incredible. The first touch of his in on the puck, especially if he's receiving a wonky pass, just the way that he's able to settle it down and almost use it as a way to beat a defender is absolutely incredible. So he's, he's leading this charge, so to speak, of this new wave of creativity that we're seeing in hockey. How can you not like that? So that's where I personally fall. That's my opinion. I love it. I want to see more of it. I hope that we see more um, 
What are we calling this goal, by the way? Are we calling it the... Was it an alley-oop? Is that what they were calling it? I guess alley-oop is fair. I I saw Dishigan online, too. Oh, that's not bad. That's pretty pretty good. good. Um, But, but yeah, like, whatever we're calling it, honestly, I hope we see a lot more of it. Uh, I agree. So, question number two. With the way that COVID's been going around the league, uh, do you think it's time to pause the season? And with that, do you think that there's any way that the NHL sends players to the Olympics? So I was one of the first people to raise my concerns. This was about a month ago or a month and a half ago about whether we will actually see players going to the Olympics. And I got really, I put up a video on ESPN's YouTube just saying, I don't think that these number of cases are going to diminish. This was when we started to hear about teams like the Sharks having a couple players in protocol. Uh, and this was even before team disruptions, like even before we saw Uh, disruptions in schedules. And even if you look at from a month ago to where we are right now, the amount of players that are in COVID protocol, the amount of games that have been postponed, and now also the amount of uncertainty among players that you would assume would be going to the Olympics, comments from players like Connor McDavid and and Robin Leonard, uh, the reasons that he's pulling out. And the uncertainty of the questions and answers of quarantine and how much time they really need to be away going all the way to Beijing. I'm more sold than ever on the idea that they're not going to the Olympics simply because I just don't see with the way things are tracking, how that's going to happen. Do I think the players want to go? Of course they want to go. And even the commissioner said, we're going to leave it to the players to the, you know, ultimately it's going to be a player's decision unless there is a massive disruption of the schedule at which point the NHL is allowed to step in and say, well, actually we need to stop this because it's affecting our overall season schedule. Right. Mm, And so they have until I believe it's January 10th to pull the plug on that for that reason specifically, but I just don't see it happening. I, I, I really, really don't. Now, Mike Milbury, we had Mike Milbury on a couple episodes ago, very obviously very candid. And But on WEI in Boston, he mentioned that he might suggest that the Bruins trade Patrice Bergeron or maybe Brad Marchand begin the rebuilding process. Of course, around here, Bruins fans, that was blasphemy. There's no way you could trade Bergie, no way you could trade Marchands. But do you think the Bruins need to start a rebuild? And, and would you trade or consider trading either one of those guys? I honestly... I wonder if that's early, but I also wonder if that would be such a, it would be so crazy to think of the Boston Bruins without those two players. It would be almost impossible to envision the Boston Bruins without Brad. Mar- I mean, w- clearly we're seeing it now because both of them are in COVID protocol, but, <laughs> but I mean like just thinking of them w- not being on the Boston Bruins team and then them coming back to Boston wearing another sweater. You know what I mean? Like this isn't a situation where Ray Bork is leaving the team to go and chase the Stanley cup at the twilight of his career. And the team is nowhere near uh, being able to contend for a cup. So he goes to Colorado. It's not like that. Right. And by the way, one thing that we don't talk about often about that story, which I absolutely love is that after he wins the Stanley cup, his day with the cup was a parade in Boston. Yeah. Right. Like, how amazing is that? I know I'm sidetracking here, but I always love that. Like thousands of people showed up to see Ray Bork, Right, you know, and I, a legend icon in Boston, but like he won a Stanley Cup with another team. It doesn't yeah. matter; he's our guy. Yeah. Come on, yeah, let's right. go celebrate right. this. Right. Oh, that was best. fantastic. It um, really, really but, was. Yeah. To answer your to answer your question directly, I don't know. I, I mean, I mean, I, I feel like the Bruins have a lot more pressing questions. Like, what will their what will they 
goaltending tandem look like in a few weeks? You know, like there, there's a lot of questions uh, there. I, I still have my eye on Charlie McAvoy. I know that, um, you know, you sign a contract like that. And sometimes you see situations where uh, players find, you know, they play on a contract year and they're very motivated, et cetera. Uh, you get the contract and it, uh, just, things start to settle down a bit. But I still feel like uh, Charlie McAvoy uh, is someone that will essentially lead the way. I know that Kale McCarr gets a lot of the headlines because of the things that he does, scores end-to-end goals and, and whatnot. But uh, I, I do think that McAvoy is going to be leading the way uh, among defensemen for years to come. But to answer your question directly, I, I really don't. I, 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 I can't even fathom that thought. I don't see that happening. I, I, I don't, unless the Bruins have decided we're going in full rebuild mode and it's starting this year. I, I haven't even heard anything about the Bruins entertaining ideas for trades or, or movement for those two players. So just seems right. like such a foreign idea. All right. Question number four, will Alex Ovechkin break Gretzky's goal record? And if so, will it ever be broken again? Do you think? Okay. I'm on a Boston Bruins podcast. <laughs> yeah. So I apologize for bringing any other players <laughs> other than the Boston Bruins into this conversation. That's okay. But with that said, I will say this is the first time I'm going to say this publicly. And the only reason I'm going to say this is because I want to troll Twitter by saying this. Okay. Okay. And and, and you know how we were just talking earlier about clips coming out of context. Feel free to clip this right at the perfect moment. (laughs) Believe me, we will. (laughs) will, And then we can, and then you can throw it on Twitter and everyone can troll me and it'll be great. Okay. 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 Here's what I'm about to say. This is the, this is the start point right here. Oh man. Alex Ovechkin is going to break Wayne Gretzky's record. He's going to eventually do that. He's going to stay healthy. He's going to play many more seasons in the NHL, and that record will be broken. That record will be short-lived for when Austin Matthews plays many more seasons in the NHL. He will then break Alex Ovechkin's record. Wow. My words. Alex Ovechkin will break Wayne Gretzky's record Okay. And then Austin Matthews, lifelong Toronto Maple Leaf, by the way, he will never go to Arizona. Well, Arizona might not have a team. I mean, they, are, they, they owe the city of Glendale like $150 million or something. Break the record for most goal, career goals in the NHL. 20 years later, he will surpass Wayne Gretzky and Alex Ovechkin and Austin Matthews when it's all said and done. And clip this. We're going to revisit this in 18, 19 years. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Yeah. You guys and invite me back on the podcast okay. in 19 years. And we're going to say, see, we told you. Absolutely. Wow. I love it. Wow. That's that's a wow. I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. And you would be trolled, but I love it. Oh, a hundred percent. I do. But it's funny, right? Because like Ovechkin is an amazing goal. Like he's the best goal scorer of our generation. And sometimes I watch Matthews though. Like in all seriousness, sometimes I watch Matthews and I'm like, how is he scoring these goals? Like his shot is like unbelievably deceptive. And Mm. I'm like, man, like he, he produces at this level and like, he's going to eventually, we're going to be talking about him the way that we talk about Alex Ovechkin today in terms of Mm. goal uh, production and the way he's scoring goals. He keeps this up. You know, it's going to take a few more years before people honestly like this is the same like when people were talking about uh, Ovechkin breaking the record like five, 10 years ago. People were laughing at that, too. Right. right and right. now look where we are. And it was really it was I think it was John Butchergrass who really was the first yeah. to entertain. Yeah. That this yeah, could exactly. happen. And people were like, no way. You're going to be kidding me. Exactly. But now. So, so I'll oh, happily oh, accept all the trolling as it pertains right. to, to Matthews. 
Okay. And then in 15 years, I'm going to look extremely smart. You will. Absolutely. Or if it you doesn't are. happen, people right. will just have forgotten about it. <laughs> That's <sometimes>. right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so you did some WWE broadcasting in the past. Uh, who was your favorite uh, wrestler to interview? And uh, were there any crazy stories from those days? Uh, so, yeah, the, 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 that was a fun time uh, in, in my career. It was, it was an absolute mm-hmm. blast. Uh, the people I enjoyed interviewing the most, Edge, okay. Roddy Piper, uh, oh, yes. Rest of Soul, uh, mm-hmm. Bret Hart. Those were my three uh, favorites. And Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho was always mm-hmm. fun, like entertaining wise. And also, mm-hmm. like, we w- always got to talk hockey because his dad played in the league yeah. uh, with the Rangers and the Kings. So, uh, Ted Irvin. But uh, mm-hmm. Bret Hart was like, he's such a, I just love hearing him talk about wrestling. So, like, he would have really like introspective answers about mm. stuff in his career, things like that. Roddy Piper was just extremely entertaining. And you got to hear a lot about the rock and wrestling era. If you grew up in the eighties, then, you know, that's near right. and dear to you. So those stories are incredible. And edge is just a phenomenal storyteller. So like to hear mm. him talk about things, my favorite story about edge, and this is very deep in the weeds. If you're not a wrestling fan, I apologize for this, mm. but he would always, he, he told me once that he would always have, long stints even whether whether he was winning the match or not he would have these long stints uh in royal rumble matches so like the royal rumble matches usually like even if you're not a wrestling fan you might tune in to watch the royal rumble match because it's such a fun gimmicky once a year kind of match right Mm. and like a lot of people often wonder like well how do they put this match together like there's 30 people in a ring and it's like how do they construct this match right and so people like Edge are sort of like the glue to this match. And he, he tell me sometimes I'd be in the ring for like, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 minutes, even if I'm not winning, only because I have a really good memory and I would be telling people, I'd be like generaling people in the ring. Like, hey, you're supposed to go here. You're supposed to do this. Yeah. Or like, hey, you got to go over there or this person's oh, coming, so get out of the ring or whatever. <laughs> and it's just like, can you imagine being that, that guy, great. right? Like, so he was like the, uh, the director. Yeah, yeah I have direct. to work for four. So not only am I performing, but I'm also like pulling the strings in the ring in plain sight. It's hilarious. That is interesting. I've always wondered about that match because there have been guys who've been in there, you know, 60 minutes, you know, just from beginning to end. And I've always wondered like how that is all orchestrated because it's, it must be a little bit difficult to at least keep yourself entertained or yourself in the, in the mix while, you know, guy after guy comes in the ring. It's kind of a, kind of an interesting match. And one I always liked. So that's yeah, it's cool. Fun. It's unique, right? It is. Uh, all right. So question number six, uh, you also did some commentary for the NHL gaming world championships with uh, Nasher. First part, are you a gamer? Do you play the NHL games? Uh, and the second part, is it strange to call play by play for a video game? So I do play a lot of video games. I'm a big gamer, a uh, big fan. I, I play video games every day. Uh, you name it. I play it. I love it. A uh, big Call of Duty guy. Love uh, even card games like Hearthstone Battlegrounds. I'm playing every day. Big retro guy. I, I probably played more NHL 94 in my life than I have yeah, uh, current NHL games, yeah. uh, but I do enjoy them a lot. Uh, I, I'm a big retro fan. Uh, just gaming life, man. I'm a big, big, big fan. So yeah, absolutely big gamer. Uh, and calling. So the, the difference is, honestly, it's less about like, so we still call the names of the players that have the puck on the ice, but it's less about them. It's not about Ovechkin and Crosby and Marshan and, and Pasternak. It's about the players that are controlling them. So it's, it's really just an added layer of, okay, well, we need to understand what this one human being is doing with those mm. players on the ice. And why do they, like with the Gaming World Championship, they construct their own teams and they have fantasy drafts and they, 
you know, so like, how do they build their rosters? How, why are they building their lines the way that they do? You know, so uh, it, it, I find that interesting. And but otherwise, because the NHL video game is very similar to the game itself, like it's a simu- it's a real life simulation of the game. The way that I would call that is honestly very mechanically very similar to how I would call an NHL game in real life. So from that point of view, it overlaps a little bit, but the just the element of bringing like gamer terms in there or also like understanding the gamers themselves and how they're prepping and playing. Uh, it's, it's, it's very fascinating. Like it's funny. Like when you watch it, it, when you watch the NHL on TV, you're not really thinking, Hey, I can do that. And I can play in the NHL and I can beat these guys. Right. Like no one's really <laughs> honestly saying that, but you watch a video game on TV. Everyone's thinking that they're like, yeah, I can right. play this game. I can, <laughs> I can, I can face Nasher or oh, I can sure. face, yeah. Gren, the current world champion, and I can I can beat them. I can at least take them on, maybe take a period off of them or something, you know? And then you play them and you're like, holy crap, these guys are amazing. <laughs> like, it is, like, ridiculous. Oh, it's next level. Yeah. 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 It really yeah. is. That's funny. I and mean, we're big gamers, Smitty and I, but, yeah. of course, not to that level, for sure. So, so Arda, did you grow up a Leafs fan? And is this the year they get over the hump? You know, I, I kind of think it might be. It's just sort of a feeling I have. You mentioned Matthews, but, you know, Nylander and, and Tavares have been very good, and you know they're having a pretty good year. And is this the year they they get over the hump? Uh, well, yeah, my whole Matthews thing might have given that away a little bit. <laughs> right, right. By the way, I want you to know. Uh, so, what was it? 2012 or 13? The, the 13 was the, the. So, yeah. where was I during that game? I was in Maple Leaf Square. Oh amidst man! The sea of people. Wow. Okay. Wow. Leafs jersey. Zubaz pants. <laughs> what you have, like Wendell Clark? Or something? Who, who yeah, are you? Like, like, oh, Clark, yeah, Wendell was my guy. And yeah, the bet. best part is, like, so I work a lot with Barry Melrose, right? And Barry, right. Barry's the best, first of all. He's awesome. He played for the Leafs in the early 80s, mm-hmm. and he is cousins with Wendell Clark. So, like, okay. they grew up in the same town, uh, you know, they're cousins. And so, like, I always get to hear Wendell stories from, from Coach. Uh, Anyway, that's a totally uh, total tangent. So here I am, Maple Leaf Square, uh, Leafs jersey, blue and white Zubaz pants. Okay, like totally <laughs> like, all right, games, here we yeah. go. Feeling yeah. great, game seven, four to one. What is it, like 10 minutes to go? But at that moment, and I will tell you, and I'm sure that any Leaf fan will tell you the same thing, who grew up a Leafs fan, even in that moment, you're like, something's going to go wrong here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As a Leafs fan, you know. Yeah. Something's yep. going to happen here. Yep. And lo and behold, yep. we know what happens. Uh, yep. and, and it's happened since, which is hilarious. We're Red Sox fans, so we, we felt that. You, you know, yeah. you know we, what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, like, I was one, maybe like maybe three positions away from being that guy in the, right. you know, the famous picture is like, hand, oh, hand, hand, like and if yeah. the camera had moved like maybe three spots uh, over, they would have right. caught me doing that. And, and uh, we would have been, been like pointing and laughing at you. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I would have <laughs> never been able to get, get to ESPN and all this. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, man. <laughs> Sad boy season. Yeah. So, so you think this is it? I mean, do you think they? Yeah. So, and, and, and I should mention also, like once you start working for teams, so like when I like, started working for like MSG networks and I started doing like devils and Rangers broadcasts, like your fandom kind of takes a backseat. You know what I mean? Like at that point I'm cheering more for like 
overtime games so the ratings right. are good so more people right. will watch the post game shows do you know what right. i mean mm-hmm. like yeah i care yeah. more about like business side of, yeah. exactly yeah. i care more right. about people interested in the games than right. like a seven nothing blowout or something to that effect right uh do i think the leafs well i i feel like they're at the tail end of opportunities like right. it's been many years of 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 non-playoff success not just even not making the like yeah the string of making the playoffs and not getting past the first round they have a lot of good pieces there uh mm-hmm. i think that uh, i i don't think any maple leafs fan should be optimistic about anything that's happening this season until that team makes the second round of the playoffs i think that right. this regular season is par for the course that is a team with way too many weapons to not be successful in the regular season. They are a very good team. I don't think anyone's debating that. Any Bruins fan listening to this is not going to look at that team objectively and say that's a bad team. They are a very good team. They have incredible pieces. And they have a lot of... I mean, Jack Campbell is a boon. Like, Mm. honestly, you know? And then you have some really good defensive pieces led by guys like Morgan Riley. And then Mm. you have... I mean, what is it? Four or five players that occupy almost half of the salary cap at the moment with the amount of players (laughs) that they have. So they they have, and John Tavares is finding his um, groove Mm. in front of the net, picking up uh, goals. Like Mm. no one's able to move the guy half the time when he's in front of the net. So not to mention they're playing well without a guy like Mitch Marner in the lineup currently. So Mm. they have a lot of options. But with that said, is, is that team able to find the playoff success that they need? And here's the thing. For a Leaf fan, that one series is not going to be enough. That one series right. will ignite only the optimism right. of that team being successful. Not a, oh boy, let's plan the parade, goodness. let's go yeah. down Young Street, right. let's go celebrate this one series. No, 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 that's not happening. So do I think it will happen? I, I am cautiously optimistic for Leaf fans and their team, but no optimism should truly kick into high gear until the second round. Okay. So the only prediction is Austin Matthews beating Ovechkin. No, the no only prediction, prediction that I am one hundred percent take it to the <laughs> yeah. bank. You can remortgage the house. You can basically put all of your savings into this. Find it on any sports book. This is the bet to make. Okay, right. Austin I'm- Matthews beats Ovechkin and Gretzky when all is said and done. No, okay. what could possibly go wrong, guys? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Nothing, I mean, nothing can go wrong. I'm going to put it all down. I don't have much, but it's all going down. It's all, I'm, I'm, I am selling the house. I am <laughs> selling everything. We are going all in on Austin. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> to be the first to say it. Oh, you, and you are. First. And it's going like, to be all like, over you ever, Twitter like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, th- I feel like, do you remember the, this is a gaming term. Do you remember the virtual boy in the 90s? Like Nintendo had a VR headset in the nineties that gave a lot of people headaches. It was like red. Like right. I feel like when you look back on it now in 2021 with the virtual reality, like uh, advancements that we have now, the mm. virtual boy seems like so like ridiculously before it's time. Right. Right. That's yes. me with the Austin Matthews. Tape. Yes, that's, yeah. that's I feel you. like I'm at the virtual boy stage, but let me tell you when we get to the Oculus, yeah. we are yes. rolling. You are, yes. you are ridiculously before your time. <laughs> you are. You are. You are. <laughs> well, we'll keep an eye out for that for sure. All right, it's been it. great to talk with you. Lots of fun. Uh, we'd love to have you on again. It's it's great, and we'll be watching you, and hopefully, we'll be watching NHL hockey, you know, for the foreseeable future here. 
Yeah, no, please uh, bring me back. I'll be happy to come on. I'll actually let you uh, guys know when I, uh, if I pick up a Bruins game. Uh, yes. So we can have yes. a more nuanced conversation yeah. awesome. uh, about the team for sure. And thanks again to Arda Ocal from ESPN. That was a real fun interview. Uh, real good guy. And now we can see how his prediction will be as Austin Matthews. He has Austin Matthews breaking the goal scoring record once uh, inevitably Alex Ovechkin breaks it. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, right now it's time to take a break and we'll be back with the Whipping Boy segment right after this. Bruins fans, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So go ahead and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It is time now for the Whipping Boy segment. My whipping boy is Trent Frederick week after week. Now he, he has been in COVID protocol. So not only has he been scratched here and there, now he's in COVID protocol. So he did not play and that kills any momentum he may have had or fans may have thought he had as third line center. Hey, he had a two point game. Uh, he did two weeks ago, whatever the hell it was. <laughs> raising, raising his total to about 10 lifetimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good for him. So my whipping boy is Connor Clifton, and uh, he did play, and he was fine. He didn't really do a whole hell of a lot. Didn't do a whole lot either way. Two hits, a block shot, and almost 17 minutes of ice time. Wasn't a minus player when the team was pretty bad overall. So, I, you know, I guess kudos to him. Since he's been scratched, he's been better. He's not going over the top out of the way to make hits and run around as much. If he plays within himself and plays within the system, he's he's fine. He's not great, but he's fine. He scored a goal, whatever, last week when Frederick had his two-point game. So uh, the whipping boys, you know, trying to get back at us a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I mean, Clifton and Clifton is battling Riley for the worst goal of the year because Clifton's goal was just almost as bad. It was side off angle. What the hell is a goalie doing? Similar to Riley's. Well, I tell you though, I tell you what though, with some of the puck luck that the Bruins have had this season, with the amount of posts and crossbars and stuff they've they've oh, hit, they need some of those terrible goals to go in. Like some of that luck should even out hopefully over the course of the season because you know Pasternak alone probably should have five six more goals with the amount of posts and crossbars and you know Hall's had a few and there's been some other guys too uh Hall has had some so hopefully some of that puck luck evens out yeah and some of the and in, in, for the amount of shots they get on that I mean not a lot of great quality high danger chances but they do get quite a few shots on that so you would hope that a few go in all right time now for the beauties and benders section where we talk about our three beauties the three you know, bright spots of the past week. And my beauties, number three, Brandon Carlo did have an assist, played okay against the Islanders. Again, it wasn't a great game, not a lot of beauties in there. So I'll give it to Carlo, he had an assist. And I think that Carlo was starting to play okay. But again, now with a time off again, he's a guy who gets rusty when he doesn't play. And that's going to be not advantageous to Brandon Carlo when they do come back and play again. Derek Forbort, number two, 
And three shots on net. <laughs> or what? <laughs> right? Oh, he's Kale McCarr back there. Yeah. Leave him alone. <laughs> he is. He, he is. He's dynamic offensive defenseman. Forward had three shots, played okay. And number one, Jesper Froden had a decent uh, debut. So we'll give it to him because he did make his debut. He had two shots on net and did okay in his first go of it. So maybe he'll get another taste of it uh, coming up soon. I like the uh, mm-hmm. Jesper Froden. I, I like his game. He's, he's fast and yeah. seems to be around the puck. Uh, yeah. So my beauties uh, for this one particular game, I didn't have any because they didn't play well. <laughs> so I have no beauties this week. None at all. The mm-hmm. team did not play well at all. I'll give an honorable mention to Charlie McAvoy just because he played 28 minutes in that game. So honorable mention to McAvoy, but uh, no beauties <laughs> this week for me. I'm a tough grader. I don't know if that's a reward or a punishment yeah. for McAvoy. <laughs> right. I would have said, Coach, I'm done for the night. Yeah. That's future. Okay, the Benders now, my Benders. Now, these are guys who didn't play particularly well in the past week. Number three, David Postonark. Face. Minus two. Neo Maxi Zoom Dweeby. Minus two. John Bender. He uh, <laughs> did not play well. Seven shots on net, which is fine, which is what you want, you know, for him putting pucks on net. But we just haven't seen a lot of really good David Pasternak this year. And I don't know if it's the schedule or if it's, you know, lack of uh, having his, his line together a lot, but he just hasn't been great this season. Number two, Taylor Hall is Face. line mate that You're night. Neo Maxi Zoom Dweeby. Yeah, minus two. <laughs> minus two for Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall is starting to go back to, I mean, this is kind of who he was when you traded for him. Like, this was the knock on him. He just isn't, I don't know if it's motivation. I don't know if it's just overall care or passion or what it is. He played great with a... I'd like to see his great years. I'd like to see who the center was. I'll have to look back at that. He had really good years and really engaged because when he doesn't have a playmaking center, he doesn't do a hell of a lot. And that's right now with Charlie Coyle. No offense to Charlie Coyle, but he's just not doing a lot. Taylor Hall, so another minus two. And number one, the NHL. Face it. You're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. Sometimes I'm at a loss for words on the NHL and what they do at times, whether whether it's player safety, punishments handed out for players and certain incidents, just general marketing, uh, you know, all of it. The NHL just seems to not really have their hand on the pulse of anything. They put teams in Atlanta and Arizona. Like I, I, sometimes they just do some head-scratching things. And this COVID situation is one of them. Now, look, here's one thing about it. They do have a lot of teams in another country. So that does throw a wrench into it. And it's hard to manage if two countries have different rules. And I get that. The NFL doesn't have that problem. So they can sort of do things a little bit differently. They play once a week. That's easier. But the NHL just seems to really fumble this COVID situation 100%. And I'm at a point now where I think I'd rather not have testing of players unless you have symptoms. I think I'm at that point already. Because at this point, testing and having asymptomatic players all over the place and shutting down all this, I think that the, the leagues, it'll be controversial. I think the leagues really need to have it, you know, to really take a strong look at, at not testing randomly for people who don't have symptoms. I think I would agree with you. I mean, and I'm with you 100% on the NHL. Like, it's a clown show. Like, Gary Bettman, I'm not sure he really knows what's going on. And what The thing about Bettman is, is that, and it's not like the league is, is super, I mean, it's not, it doesn't make the money that the other leagues make. He's been there forever. There must be a reason. The owners must like him for some reason. Usually a, an owner, like Roger Goodell, for instance, 
the NFL owners will stand behind him because he makes them boatloads of money. Right. Like he just makes them boatloads of money and he makes 70 million a year, but it's worth it to them because he makes money. He has the owner's best interest in mind all the time. Gary Bettman, I'm not sure what he does. There's some teams, Pittsburgh Penguins, one of the more successful teams in the last 30 years, you know, almost bankrupt at times. Like just don't know. Mario Lemieux has to save them. You know, it just, it's incredible that the Fenway group has to go buy them because they're just in disarray. They have other teams that just are failing. Arizona can't pay their bills. Yeah, can't I mean, keep well, the lights on. Commission keep, has the commission keep his job? Like, it's not like everybody's making money hand over fist. I don't get why there needs to be a change there. And it's, and it's been needed for a while. But the NHL just doesn't seem, everything's either reactionary, every move they make, or they don't really have any foresight in some of these decisions. No. My three benders, I'll start with number three. And this is controversial because I have number three, Charlie McAvoy. He was a minus one in the game. I just gave him an honorable mention for the uh, for the beauties. So he's on both lists. It's, he might be the first whatever. It's controversy. Actually, what I was trying to do is I, I didn't want to pick the same guys as you. So I was just trying to pick some different people. So I have McAvoy three. Matt Grizzlick, number two. He was minus one. He hasn't been great all year. He had one little stretch there where he scored that game-winning goal. That was a big goal for him. It looked like he was starting to turn the corner, but kind of back to it where he's a little loose with the puck. He's trying that same, you know, spin along the right-wing boards. Like, everybody knows that now, Matt. Like, you got to pass the puck to your D partner sometimes. So uh, he's number two. And number one, Charlie Coyle, minus two. In between, Holland Pasternak, who are also both minus two. Uh, that line wasn't good. They had a lot of shots, but the team as a whole wasn't good, and that line certainly didn't uh, do anything to help the team win the game. So um, those were my three uh, benders this week. You know, speaking of Matty Grizzlick and in that move and trying to advance the puck forward, you know, there were some comments made by Bruce Cassidy and Don Sweeney and seemed to be a difference of opinion on how when David Backus uh, said recently that he had a different idea of hockey than, than Bruce Cassidy does. He thought more physical and that type of thing. And Bruce Cassidy likes to have his defenseman move the puck forward north-south. Not exactly physical brand of hockey, but more of a speed game and so forth. I thought to myself, well, <laughs> if that's the case, then why are you getting David Backus? You know, why are you getting guys who, why are you getting Nick Ritchie? It almost seems as though Don Sweeney wants to hold on to that Bruins way a bit. And the coach doesn't believe in that. So it's almost like, you know, it makes you wonder if people are on the same page there. Yeah, I certainly wonder that. I, when I saw Bacchus's comments, that certainly raised an eyebrow with me. Because I think you're right. There, there is some kind of a disconnect between Cassidy and Sweeney with uh, the type of players that Sweeney's bringing in may not fit what Cassidy wants to do. So right. somebody needs to get on the other one's page. <laughs> Because right. there needs to be some cohesion there. So you're all pulling in the same direction. You know, how do yeah. we want to play? What's our style? And then we get players to fit that style. It's not right. that difficult. You want to be hard. You know, they talk about being hard to play against. But if Cassidy doesn't really want a big physical team, what does that entail? What does yeah, that what even does that mean? mean? Right. What does that mean? So hard to play against like St. Louis Blues a couple of years ago. Grind you down, you know, get in front of the net. Pucks in know, deep, grind, grind down your defenseman, hit everybody right. that moves. You right. know, that's different than Cassidy, I think, wants to be kind of a fast forechecking, you know, hunting pucks they, is the right. term they use instead of 
aggressive on the forecheck or whatever it is, or hitting on the forecheck. Yeah, you want to hunt pucks, but sometimes you need to hit the guy and separate him from the puck. And then the right. second forechecker takes the puck. So right. I feel like if you want to be aggressively forechecking, you need to be physical. So you don't necessarily need to have huge guys, but you have to have guys willing to take the body. And I don't think the Bruins have a lot of guys that actually like to do it. I really don't. No, I don't either. I don't, there's I don't probably, either. A, there's probably a handful of guys on the team who actually enjoy hitting. A handful. I agree. I agree. And, I, and the, other take, the other take from Cassidy about today, I saw that he said that the Bruins weren't quite where Tampa Bay is, like as far as, and it almost like a knock on the roster. Like they, they aren't where Tampa Bay is. And Tampa Bay is not even in first place. Right. Like Toronto and Florida and those teams are ahead of them. So if they're not Tampa Bay right now, then it's certainly not Toronto or Florida or Carolina. So that struck me as well. Is this, this is a knock sort of on the roster. I, here's my hot take. I would not be surprised if Bruce Cassie wasn't the coach next year because it seems to be a lot of subliminal, passive-aggressive comments and a subtle change, a difference of philosophy that's starting to eat at Cassie. We're hearing that he's getting on Grizzly in the locker room. He, he dressed down Brandon Carlo the other night yeah. uh, in the game on the bench. Like there's a lot of that going on as well. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a difference in philosophy and he is not happy with this roster of people, maybe from last year and into this year. He's got too many passengers, too many guys who aren't playing the way he wants to play. I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't the coach next year. I agree with you. I feel like there's, and we've talked about it before on the, on the show, there's a shelf life for NHL coaches. Like, yeah. there is. As good as you are, like the good ones have even moved on. Your voice just, they tune you out after a certain amount of time. And the, mm-hmm. and the message gets stale and the, you know, they just need a new voice. They need, even if it's, even if it's a guy saying the same fucking thing, right. if he just says it <laughs> in a different voice, mm-hmm. like Joe Sacco goes in, for Cassidy when Cassidy missed the games and they played great. That was their West Coast swing. They played great. And it was, yep. it was a different guy's voice. Maybe he did things slightly differently. Maybe he got the message across slightly differently, but it's the same system. It's the same guys. Everything else is the same. I'm sure the message is, you know, pretty much the same, but it's just coming from a different guy. So sometimes you just need to shake things up. You just need to change. Yeah, and I agree. And you, you mentioned that a lot of the draws were taken by Bergeron when Sacco was the, was the, uh, the coach. Mm-hmm. Like he had him in there for many of the draws in, in the offensive zone or defensive zone, a lot of them. So that was one change we saw for sure because the other center icemen don't win draws that well. No. So Patrice Bergeron's the only guy who can. So I, I, think, I think you're right, and I think it could happen. I think that it might be a mutual, irreconcilable differences type of situation where they might just say, you know what, we're going to retool this roster. We're not sure you're the guy. We're not sure we have the same philosophy totally. He may go. He might. And I, and I like Cassidy. Me too. He's done a pretty good job here. And I like the way he coaches. I like the way he does press conferences. I like that he holds guys accountable and so forth. But like you said, after a while, it just goes on deaf ears. Uh, all right, time now for the Top 7 Bruins Benders Podcast Power Rankings. <laughs> Number seven, the Capitals of Washington dropped four spots, but they remain in seventh. They remain in the top seven. Washington Capitals at seven. Tampa Bay Lightning at six. They move up a spot. They're charging now. And, of course, Bruce Cassidy just said the Bruins aren't as good as the Lightning. Mm-hmm. So they're, 
So there's that. Uh, number five, Toronto Maple Leafs dropped one spot, but they have had a really good start to the season. Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Nylander, all playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, the New York Rangers move up two spots. The Rangers have really turned it around. Chris Kreider's having a terrific year. He is. I always thought he would look good in a Bruins uniform, personally. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, number three, Edmonton Oilers move up two spots. They're hanging in there. They haven't dropped off. Yeah, of course, they have two of the best players in the league. Uh, the Minnesota Wilds stay at number two, and the Florida Panthers remain at number one. Very good hockey team and one that needs to be reckoned with as we go forward. Absolutely. So the bottom three power rankings. Coming in at number 30, the Ottawa Senators. They have, uh, I think, 20 points on the season. They're not very good. It's not a very good team. <laughs> no. Tom Shabbat, bright spot. Tim Stutzel, also a bright spot as a rookie uh, last year. Uh, number 31, the Arizona Coyotes can't pay their bills. They have 15 points on the season, minus 53 goal differential. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not good at all. <laughs> no, no, no. You can't make That is not that. good at all. And, and that may be a place that you could send Jake DeBrusque and see if you could finagle out Chikrin or something like that, get something that will help you down the road, see if you can wrest somebody out of that terrible situation, maybe throw in a couple of light bulbs and a 20. Maybe you'll, uh, yeah. maybe you'll, get, you'll get somebody. Maybe you can expand yeah. the trade, throw Mike Riley in. Maybe you can get Phil Kessel in a hot dog eating contest and, yeah. and uh, you know, bring him back to Boston. But that might be, that might be a team that the Bruins could, uh, could trade with and see if you could grab some players out of a horrible, horrible situation. And number 32, yo, Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> coming in at the bottom and and they actually are pretty damn close to the bottom of the league. Arizona has 15 points, Montreal has 17 points wow. and is minus 42 goal oh. differential. That wow. is terrible. Who would have thought that with uh, you know, going into the season with Carey Price coming off a cup finals appearance. Mm. Wow. How the uh how the mighty have fallen to the Quickly. absolute yeah. basement of the league. What a shame yeah. that is. Yeah, that's a, it's not a, at all. It's a crying <laughs> shame. Yeah. It is a crying shame. Well, we'd like to do the week ahead. There was supposed to be a game on December 23rd versus the Avalanche. That has been postponed. Next two games, December 27th versus the Penguins, December 29th at the Senators. Not sure either one of those will happen. They probably won't. I'm going out to Vegas uh, for Christmas with the family, and uh, I'm supposed to go to an Avalanche Vegas Golden Knights game on the 27th. So my fingers are crossed that the game will actually happen. I am vaccinated and boosted, and hopefully uh, I can throw a mask on and and catch that game. But uh, we will see what happens. You are full of kryptonite for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I forgot about that. That's true. You are going to that, and hopefully that does happen. Oh, no. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be bad. Anyway. So we had a Bruins Benders poll this week on Twitter. So you want to follow us on Twitter at Bruins Benders. We do polls every once in a while. And it was poll time the other day. After all that had happened this season, how do the Bruins finish? 38 votes. The choices were out of, out of playoffs, first-round exit, Eastern Conference champ and Stanley Cup. First round exit, one at 47%. Out of playoffs at 29%. Very optimistic group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eastern Conference champ, 16%. And 8% of the 38 votes still think Stanley Cup is on the horizon. I want to I I have what some of those people are smoking. Those eight, oh, that 8%. Lord. 
I mean, I, I love you, Bendis fam. I do. But uh, you are on the drugs if you think this team is going to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, <laughs> I mean, hey, if, if Tuga comes back and plays like Tim Thomas did in 2011, they got a shot. But other than that, they need to have the hottest of hot goalies to win oh the Stanley God. Cup. The hottest God. that you've yeah. ever seen in the history of the world. And wouldn't that be something if Tuca comes back and plays so out of his ass that he just carries them on his back to a cup? How about that? What would that How be? How about that? Wouldn't that How be something? That? Wouldn't that How be something? A after, combination, wow. After all the fucking crap that he's taken oh. here over the years to just carry a team on his back to the title, give the whole fan base double birds, and then sail off to Finland. Mm, with well, a long with with a, with a six pack of long drink and just be like oh, fuck all y'all. That? How about that? That would be unbelievable. If that but if that this year was the year he won the cup and that would cement him as one of the that would be, well first of all that would cement him as the greatest Bruins goaltender of all time without question. Sure. And he would be obviously first battle hall of famer if he's not already and that would be that would be incredible. You know what? Good for him if that would happen. But yeah. he's going to need Mike Riley shipped away <laughs> and Connor. <Lucas. laughs> he's going to need Mike Riley to stop watching plays behind the net with a stick on his legs. <laughs> right. Right. Mike Riley cannot play in those circumstances at all. Yeah. Oh, uh, and uh speaking of that, Jakob Sporl had ACL surgery. He did. He's out for the remainder of the season that's too bad he was he was certainly starting to turn the corner coming into his own a little bit hopefully maybe people can stop worrying so much about that 2015 draft if he if he turns into something defensemen sometimes take a little longer and you know maybe this was the start of him starting to turn the corner a little bit yeah well it would definitely help along zach senishin and jake debrusque who will who will (laughs) no longer be on the team That's pretty terrible. So Yakov's well, here's an, here's the irony of it. Because he's an RFA, the Bruins can actually re-sign him in a very affordable contract now, probably. I mean, they'll 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 sign him at like a Connor Clifton one year one one mil or something. I mean, they'll probably bridge him or something or yeah, I would think a so. Really affordable deal. Yeah, I would think I would think so. He'll get yeah, you know, nine hundred k or something like that, and yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll actually be good for them if he can come back and, and play well. That's the other thing right. coming off an ACL, right. you know, do you have the same confidence in your knee and all that stuff? Like he has to build right. that all back up again. So got a little bit of a long road ahead of him. Hopefully a speedy recovery and he, and he gets back to playing the way that he was uh, before he got hurt. No doubt. So you will want to rate and review the Bruins Benders podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can now rate on Spotify as well. Uh, so do that. And if you do rate and review, we will donate to the Bruins Foundation. We will do, donate monies to the Bruins Foundation for every rate and review. So go ahead and do that. Also, follow us on social media. We'll be doing some stuff now that the Bruins are off for a bit. We'll be doing some stuff on there. We want to thank again Arda Okel from ESPN. It was a lot of fun having him. We'll have more guests down the road. But for now, have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you again very soon. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.